Ooh, that's bitter coffee. Blah, 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 blah. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to The Debrief, a weekly Q&A show from your friends here at Sandal Church with Pastor Matt Brown. I'm your friendly host, PRD, hanging out here across the table from Stephanie Schaefer. What's up, guys? And we are seated across from the PMB. Not necessarily across from. I guess if you link yeah. the two of our forces together as if we were playing Battleship, <laughs> then we're perpendicularly situated, uh, not against you, near you, you, alongside you. At right angles. Yeah, ready to, ready to hit you with some real questions so yeah, you can yeah. bring back those tough, an- tough yeah. questions so you can bring back the uh-huh. real answers. So I texted you today. I got to change yes. your name in my phone. Oh, is it? Are you still keen? Yeah, still mm. keen. That's okay. Stephanie Schaefer. I Listen, got referred to in a work email yesterday as Stephanie Keen, and like was like, oh yeah, cool. I was yeah. like, Oh, that's actually not my name anymore. I asked Tammy if she ever thinks of herself being Harrington, and she said no, never, because mm-hmm. her mom's name has changed because her mom remarried and her sisters remarried. Oh yeah. So she's like, like no... if someone says Tammy Harrington, she's like, I don't know who that is, yeah. which is just weird to me because that's who I dated in college. Oh yeah. yeah. Isn't that bizarre? That is kind of weird. Yeah. So I kept Keen as my middle name. So yeah, like I just not quinoa. I was hoping not for quinoa. quinoa. I love they don't quinoa. let you just like change it. You have to just sort of move uh, something. Okay, Otherwise, okay. I would have given it a shot. Yeah. yeah. So you guys on the, on the show here on the debrief show, we do not do a lot of special promotions. But before we get into it, we got a great follow up question and then a lot of good questions about baggage series. But I want to do a quick promotion here. Whoa! For our boy Tim Holly. I don't know. <laughs> you guys saw his face this morning. Uh, for those of you, he's not going to be on YouTube or anywhere today. But he's just got a. Pretty great looking stash going on right now. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I totally disagree with everything you've just said. We're gonna, here's one thing I can. I yeah. think you'll agree with. We're going to take his picture. We're going to post it on <laughs> our debrief social channels, and maybe we'll let you guys decide out there. He saw the Mission Impossible movie and got inspired by uh, the guy that plays opposite Tom Cruise. Yeah. Turned, went home, put that mustache on. I wish I could get you as inspired about scripture as you are about Mission Impossible. I got a lot of or verses here hand. in the sh- in the situation uh, on our on our notes today. We got some good we got some good verses coming your way. We do, we mm-hmm. do. Well, today we are talking all about exhaustion and burnout. Um, since Pastor Matt, your message this weekend was on rest, as we yes. work through some different types of baggage. This week we're talking about um, exhaustion. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about things like broken relationships anger and shame. And we're actually bringing in one of our on-staff, we're going to call him an expert, our soul care director, Brett Ryan, is going to be joining us. He's got a lot of education and training in this area. And so we want to bring him on to answer your questions. So if you've got questions about broken relationships, about anger, about guilt or shame, get those into us at debrief.show or on Facebook. We would love to start answering those questions. So let's Hey, what's the lead character's name in Mission Impossible? Isn't it Jack Ryan? Ethan Hunt. Jack Ryan is the... Hunt for Red October. Oh, yeah, yeah. That so, guy. so yeah. He, or this, Jake Ryan, if yeah. you're a big fan of... Uh, Ooh, oh, Brett Ryan is our Jake Ryan. Or Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan, Jack Ryan is Hunt, yeah, Tom right. Clancy. Ethan Hunt Ethan is Mission yeah. Impossible. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was thinking um, 16 yeah. Candles is Jake Ryan. Oh. I went a different oh, direction. For yeah. the ladies who are listening who maybe aren't Mission Impossible. I wanted there. to be him for those of <laughs> you who grew up in the 80s. I, I kind of liked what you said about Brett, Stephanie. I just wondered if maybe I could be referred to as on-staff expert. In, I'm gonna let you guys kind of decide and throw that out there wherever. Yeah, it seems I'm gonna fitting. toss that around in my brain and say no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm, sorry. Well, let it, maybe just let it he's, ruminate. He's gone to a lot of school, uh, gotten a lot of training. One of How the about thing, resident mascot? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> One of the things I think you guys could maybe just consider is just praying about it um, and, and just seeing where yeah. we shake him. Yeah. All right, okay, we got a great follow up question from Kyle. Kyle and I actually met at the Hunter Park campus this weekend and he sent this in. This is follow up from yeah. our 
uh, I'm not going to say heated, but it was really hot in the room when we recorded last week's episode about Judgment Day and all that kind of stuff. Kyle says, on last week's debrief, you talked about Christians giving an account for their sins on Judgment Day, but not being condemned due to our faith in Jesus. But I've always thought that when God forgives sin, he completely erases it as though it never happened. And then he shares a couple of different verses that we've got here. And he says, how can God, quote, remember our sins no more, end quote, but also make us give an account for all of them on Judgment Day? Are sins truly erased by confessing through the power of the blood of Jesus or not? Yeah, absolutely. So, of course, they're they're completely erased by the power of confession. So, what does it mean to truly confess? To truly confess is to repent, which means to turn away from your sin and confess it to God as sin. You're basically killing it and you're moving on. Yes, that's done. What we're talking about is Christians who are going to stand before God, who have who have unconfessed sin, who did not repent of it, who continue to live uh, with relational sin, relational baggage. I mean, a lot of these things that we're going to talk about. I mean, there are Christians in our church that are awful in relationships, mean, unforgiving, judgmental, gossip, slanderers, and all that stuff needs to be dealt with. Uh, And there's a reason for that because we don't fully understand the damage of what we do. My family last night, we watched the movie Wonder, um, and it just breaks your heart with what the young boy who, you know, his face is disfigured, struggles from diseases, with what what people's words do to him Mm -hmm. and, and how it makes him feel about himself. And for some people, right, they never get off on the right foot. Um, their trajectory is off for their whole life because of something that was said or done or, or, or happened to them, and they're just words, and that happens all the time in the church. Um, you know, I, I just think about the things that have been said about me in this church. It's like, good Lord, man, you know, here we are trying to, you know, love and serve and do what's right. We make mistakes, but it's never intentional, <laughs> you know? Um, you know, I've had, oh, man, I can't even tell you what people have said to me. Um <laughs> It, I can it, just hit me up in the lobby. Yeah, I'll it, let you know. it's just it's just terrible, and um, you know those things need to be dealt with, and people don't repent, uh, and and usually it's because they think they're right, mm-hmm. like they they, be- they believe their own thoughts and their own ideas, and I mean, actually, I said this to one church member. I said, "So you think you know what occurred in the meeting that you weren't in?" Yes, that's what they told me. I was like, "Okay." I mean, what do you do with that? Yeah, I mean, they're clairvoyant. I mean, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, we have three pastors who are in the meeting. None of us heard that what was said, but you believe all three of us are lying. And and why? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And and so, you know, um, and, and they continue to, you know, say that. And it's like, well, at some point, if it's not repented of, if it's not confessed, they're going to stand before God because not only did they lie and gossip, but they lied and gossiped and slandered one of God's leaders. And our job, I don't know if you guys noticed, it's already hard enough. We don't, oh, yeah. I don't need any... You know, it cracks me up. Like running is hard enough, right? You ever see those people that put the weight vests on? I'm like, mm-hmm. what is wrong with you? <laughs> like, it's already miserable. Why? Why are you? Why do you have a 30 pound weight vest on? Um, and of course, we're gonna get a bunch of hate mail because of all the benefits for that. Look, running is hard enough. I don't need to add anything to it. <laughs> Ministry is hard enough. Don't. Here's what Paul specifically says: Don't add any negative crap to their life. So all of that occurs in the church. We're brutal. We're mean. We're backstabbing. We're unloyal. Um, we assume the worst. All of those things are going to be dealt with. And so um, so here's the challenge. So we talked about what Catholics believe. And one of the core kind of theological verses for Catholics in the idea of purgatory, and we don't agree with purgatory, but we love our, our Catholic brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we need to understand that you know, a billion people believe this as, mm-hmm. as Christ followers. Um, you know, one of the core kind of just theological um, principles for their understanding of purgatory is when David commits sin with Bathsheba. So Nathan, the prophet, confronts him, right? Okay. And David confesses, I've sinned. Uh, Nathan says, your sin has been forgiven. However, do you remember what happens? 
I don't. No. Your son will die because oh, of yes, your sin. Yes, yes. Mm. So, so there's forgiveness, but there's still a penalty. Mm-hmm. And that's really, really hard for many of us because the child didn't do anything wrong, right? It was David's sin mm-hmm. that ultimately led to the death. And that's, that's a brutal passage, but that's, that's kind of the idea of forgiveness and yet judgment, mm-hmm. right? So he's forgiven of his sin. He's not, he's not personally condemned. His life, life is not forfeit, um, but, there, but, there, but there is a loss and it's the loss of a, of a child, which is right, it, it's deep. And mm-hmm. and so a lot of you are gonna spin with that story because it's like, oh my gosh, I thought God was good. Yes, he is good, he is holy, he is loving, but he's also just. And mm-hmm. and the reality is David killed Bathsheba's uh, husband. Like there, there was a horrendous sin that occurred here and, and there are consequences. And so the, the biblical understanding of that is there was grace, but there still was judgment. And so again, what Jesus Christ forgives us from uh, in our sins is condemnation. The wages of sin is death. That's the core principle that Paul lays out. The, but the gift of Christ is eternal life. So mm-hmm. that what's at stake here is life or death. Christians have confused that with rewards and loss. Mm-hmm. We've confused those ideas. So uh, a couple passages to look through specifically, right? Because we're not we're not just Jewish, right? So what happened to David happened before the cross. So that's part of the reason that you know uh, we don't fully affirm the Catholic understanding of purgatory, you know, that you must have your sins purged out of you for that, because there's the cross and that sets things different. So what Paul says, and can you confirm these verses to make sure that Mm -hmm. I'm correct, because I don't have my Bible in front of me, but I believe it's 1 Corinthians 3, 15, that says, all of us are going to stand before the the fiery throne of, of, of of God and everything's going to be tested as through fire. And what what makes it through that fire on on the day is going to be rewarded and what is burned up on that day will be lost. So that's 1 Corinthians uh, 12 through yeah, 15. Yeah, it starts at 12. Okay, yeah, it's, it's chapter 3 though, right? 12 mm-hmm. through 15. Sorry guys, I'm I'm pulling this from memory. Then in 2 Corinthians, uh I believe it's uh 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10. That's the verse that says we will all stand before the judgment throne of Christ. And so, uh, like in my, the new Bible I'm reading through right now is the uh, Broadman Holman translation, and they translate it the tribunal of God. And I don't really like that at all uh, because the Greek word is bima, which I believe that the, the that the simplest translation, the clearest translation, is judgment. We will all stand before the judgment throne uh, of Christ. And in that one, it says that um, we will be judged for both the good and the bad, and and we will be uh, held accountable accordingly. And so what's really important in that verse is if you look down, can you read, I think it's 16, read uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, or no, uh, chapter 5, verse 11, read 11. Sorry, you got it? Uh, since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What, we're, what we are is plain to God, and I hope it's also plain to your conscience. Yeah, so, so what's so key here is, is that for the believer, for the believer with the idea of judgment day coming, so... Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says, right, we're all going to be judged. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be held accountable for what we did, both good and evil in this life. And then verse 11 says, so we move forward in our relationship with God. And the key word, the active word there is in fear. Mm-hmm. A healthy respect. And here, and here's why I'm trying to press on this so hard, uh, you know, to all of our debrief listeners is the church is not ready for the judgment day. We're not ready. It begins with us. We're not ready for this day where we're held accountable for, for how we live, what we do. We have this casual relationship with God. We're, we're really, what we're worshiping is ourselves. Mm. God does what we want. He answers according to our needs. When, you know, when we're angry, we're angry with him. Like we've completely flipped this whole relationship around where really God serves us and that's just dangerous. It's absolutely dangerous. And we're going to be held accountable for how we lived. And not only that, but <clears throat> how talented are you? The more talented you are, 
the more judgment is. I mean, that's the parable of the talents. Each mm-hmm. is held accountable for what they've been given. And, um, you know, all these Christians are so envious of, of how everyone else has been blessed. You need to be terrified of being held accountable for what you've been blessed with. Mm-hmm. So rather than looking, you know, at everyone else, you need to look at yourself and say, okay, God, I, I need to be a good steward with these things. So I think that those are, those are key things. I also think it's um, Romans, it's Romans 14, 12, I believe. We will all give a personal account before God. Um, is that is that correct? Romans 14, 12 or 14, 6? Catching up here. Sorry, um, I should. I, I probably should have a Bible with me on this show. That'd be great. Your, your brain's working pretty well for yeah. it. Uh, I don't think it's for. Oh, that's. 14, oh yeah, fourteen twelve. Yes, fourteen twelve. We have a personal account to God. Yeah. So Romans fourteen twelve, and so um, that that's just really really important. And right, that's after he lays out the whole salvation process. You know, Romans uh, eight one. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But we're also going to be held personal account. And, and so the danger of Western thought. So, so Western culture is a beautiful thing, although it gets pummeled in modern academia. It, it's beautiful. It's done, it's done better than any other culture in terms of almost everything, in terms of feeding its people, educating its people, doing all sorts of things. The negative of that is it tries to over-understand things. And so as Western culture embraces the, the religion of an Eastern culture, we've developed this thing called systematic theology. And so what that is, it's develop, developing a system and we put everything into boxes and categories. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, there's so many gray lines in each Eastern culture. And there's, you know, there, there's, there's some, sometimes Jesus will say, you know, the absolute opposite. Like, you know, whoever is not for us is against us. And then a couple of verses later, he's like, oh, don't worry about them because whoever's not against us is for us. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, you just said exactly the opposite. Yeah, and that's the Eastern mind. The Western mind is black or white. Mm-hmm. It's right or wrong, right? It's, it's, it's mathematical in the way that we think. And that's done a lot of great things. The problem is it's removed mystery, uh, it's removed, you know, just kind of this wading into the spiritual life with a sense of holy vagueness, you know, like, okay, I'm not, I'm not sure what, what this passage means, but I'm going to sit in it with just like holy reverence. And so, you know, and Christians will throw out the verse, well, God is not a God of confusion. Well, he's not talking about him. He's talking about our worship. Mm-hmm. Like that verse has nothing to do with how the Bible's laid out. It's how we worship. Like, don't confuse mm-hmm. people. Don't be weird. Don't be bizarre <laughs> in the way that you worship. You need to have some order. Uh, people need to understand, you know, how things work and and not be confused as to the process, right? Our God's not a God of confusion. He's not trying to trip people up. However, trying to understand him is confusing. Mm-hmm. It is at times. So, so just know that, you know, I believe, again, we need to look at 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And we need to trust that and say, God, I need to confess these sins to you. And as a Christian, I have had the Lord speak directly to me about some sin in my life. And it was fierce. It was scary. Um, And the Lord basically, I felt like said, you deal with this or I'm going to deal with you. And... um, and I'm telling you, scared me to death. Mm-hmm. And so there's just some there's just some things in our lives that, um, you know, and, and just so you know, that that's really helpful, in, especially in terms of addiction. Like, okay, so I'm at home alone at night and I'm going to look at porn. Do I want to deal with God about this? No, mm-hmm. I don't. <clears throat> you know, uh, I don't want to deal with my wife on some things. I mean, I, I, I just don't um, because she's a powerful person. She's not God. Um you know, God is to be feared. Our God is a consuming fire. And again, I'm pressing on this because we've made love, love allows us to do whatever we want. And that's, man, that is not love. 
That's not love. We Our idea of current love is just bizarre. Like, I love you, so I'm going to let you sin against yourself, against me, against everyone. You know, we make excuses for people. And sin kills everything. Relationships, people, it's it's destroying, it's ripping our culture apart. And, and in, in the name of love, we're bringing great pain. So, um, so just, just really, really work through those verses that I've quoted. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3.15, 2 Corinthians 5.10, Romans 14.12. Really sit in those verses and say, God, what do these verses mean? Teach me this, you know, speak to me. Um, you don't have to listen to me. This isn't, this, I, I'm not telling you guys anything new. I'm just telling you what you haven't been told. And so like, let's just jump in politically a little bit. There's a lot about this whole concept of fake news. Um, so whether you're for Trump or not Trump, here's the problem with our media. Our media is selectively choosing, whether you're on the left or the right, what is news. That's the problem. Here's the problem with modern Christian uh, education. Pastors have selected which verses to teach you. And so what we've selected for the last 40 years is all the loving verses, all the graceful verses, all, all the verses that make God this just good, mushy grandpa in heaven who's just so glad you're alive. Mm-hmm. And we've negated, you know, all of the verses where, where God is very serious about sin, very serious about his holiness, very very serious about righteousness. Um, you know, we got to remember Jesus, who loves us, said, unless your righteousness surpasses the Pharisees, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You got to be better than them, which, oh, we're all in trouble. So yeah. <laughs> so we, we got to remember that. And so just know that, that pastors choose things uh, I, I believe oftentimes to, to make Christianity, which we should, attractive, because I think I think that the attractional model works, but we also need to preach the word of God, and, you know, all of it, not just the parts that we like. And, um, you know, just like, for example, we're going to get into rest. Our culture sins against rest. We sin. We deny the Sabbath, and we're all culturally paying the consequences. Everybody's burned out. Ev- everybody's fried. Everybody's exhausted, right? And And so because we've not honored the principle of the Sabbath day, which our constitution honors. And a lot of, right, this whole idea of separation and state is just completely, what it means is the government can't pick mm-hmm. a religion and say, you have to be this, but it still honored the concept of the Sabbath day. And ultimately they gave us both days, mm-hmm. Saturdays for the Jews and Sundays for the Christians. Or if you're a Seventh-day Adventist, or Seventh-day Baptist, those people take, they still believe in the traditional Sabbath. do so, want to thank you for those Saturdays, guys. Yes. Thank you. Right. Praise God. It. It's true. So You know, one, I love that phrase you said, holy vagueness. I think that's really, really cool. Mm-hmm. I, the other thing I was, just even as you talk about this idea of like, it's not just for avoiding judgment um, at, at the end to try and like <laughs> live a more holy life. But I think with like Titus and my boys, as they grow older, as a mm-hmm. father and, and Lindy, there are things we want to give our boys like that we're ready to, um, we just have to wait for them to get their maturity and yeah. their character to catch up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I have to imagine that for so many of us, you know, like Pastor Matt, you've always talked about mm-hmm. the, you desire the spiritual gift of healing. Yeah. Um, I have to imagine that there's so many of us, we have these desires from our relationship with God and God is saying, we got to get your character to this place mm-hmm. where, where you grow. So I can actually give you all of these things in mm-hmm. life that I want to give you. Um, which is why he's calling us to holiness so that we can handle yeah. those things, you know? Yeah. And again, read the book, The Great Divorce. It's going to terrify you, get through it, but it's it's <laughs> it's magical in terms of how C.S. Lewis explains why most people won't go to heaven because they can't handle it. They're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They haven't lived a life 
where they exercise spiritual principles that prepare them for heaven. And so that's why the Catholics developed the idea of purgatory, right? You're not ready. You're not ready to enter into the presence of the Lord. And so there's a process by which God makes us ready. And that's what they mean by uh, purgatory, which is the word purging mm-hmm. the things in us. And so as evangelicals, right, we want that to be instantaneous. We want it to be a microwave, boom. Mm-hmm. And so um, the question is, you know, what is the process by which God is going to make us righteous? So he's declared us righteous in Christ. We, mm-hmm. We've been declared not guilty, but we all have to become not guilty. Otherwise, heaven's going to be just as dysfunctional as earth, right? If we're all if we're all just declared righteous, but we have not become righteous. And so, so the question is, what is the process by which that happens? And um, I think it's pretty clear from the verses I've given you that that the, the day mm-hmm. is is that process. Mm-hmm. Um, now, how long is that? I don't know because. You know, Peter says that a day to the Lord is a thousand right, years, and right. a thousand years is a day. So we're Might trying, a long day. we're trying to understand, you know, eternity within the, within the confines of time, and that's we don't know. Yeah. So the holy vagueness. <laughs> yeah. Well, now shifting onto this topic of rest, I'd love to actually even hear, sort of, Pastor Matt, what has rest looked like when it comes to you know we talked about God calling the Sabbath holy, wanting us to honor the Sabbath. How has that looked like for you? Have you always done a good job of resting well? Have you seen the benefits of that or maybe the dangers of when you haven't chosen to kind of yeah. honor? Yeah, no, I, I think I'm terrible at it. Aside so. from napping on the floaties, you seem pretty yeah. good about that one. Well, okay, but that's that's in my mid-40s, so <laughs> I, I couldn't do that before. So I, I'm one of those people. Remember, I'm three, so I'm high three, high seven, high eight. So if I'm not doing something, I feel like I, I'm doing nothing. And mm-hmm. so this is, a, this is a real challenge for me. So, like, if you're a nine, like, you're going to be an awesome Sabbather. Um, Unless you have a lot of one. Like yeah, me, yeah, right? yeah, one, yeah, because your, your should takes over. So, <laughs> or um, a child. Yeah, or, yeah, or children. That'll do it. So, the, the challenge is, 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 is understanding it as a command. And so, uh, and again, this is why when we do our, our series uh, in the fall, late fall, uh, 10 Reasons Everybody Needs God is, um, we're going to deal with this specifically, that we, we need God to tell us what to do what's right. And, and this is, the Sabbath proves it. If we don't... L- submit to God, we won't stop, and ultimately we'll destroy ourselves. Mm. So all of us have to stop and submit to God. And this is why, a, you know, a culture, right? Um, you know, so like if, you, if you're on the left, right, you see Christianity, there's this colonial power, destroying of cultures and all of these things. And so uh, it's why I believe Jordan Peterson's book uh, is, is making such headway, 12 Principles for Life. He's saying, okay, we're, we're tearing down uh, these Christian, Judeo-Christian ideas that have taken several millennia for people to develop, and they've created a pretty wonderful world. Mm-hmm. And we're tearing that down, but the left that's tearing it down is not provided what they're going to replace it with. Mm-hmm. And so what what happens when you, you, you say, okay, no, you're going to work every day, all day, you're going to stay up every night, all night, you're going to do all these things. It's, there, there's a destructive power because we, we all need to be told to stop. Mm-hmm. Because what it means is we we can't stop on our own. So that's why God's given us this principle, right? You're going to work yourself to death. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what's happening in our culture. And so I, like all of you, have to submit to God. I have to take time off and I have to rest. I uh, struggle with a great deal of guilt. You know, I feel very privileged and honored to be where I am in life. And um, I have a hard time resting and taking time off. I feel guilty, you know, when I'm I'm gone. I, I, my first Sunday back, here's what somebody said to me. I, I kid you not, the first person that spoke to me said this. 
when I heard you weren't going to be here this summer, I quit going to church. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's the first words that were spoken to me. Okay, really? so what does that do to my soul? What it means is I've become God in that person's life. And so if I'm not here, they're gonna to connect to God, which I can't carry that weight. Mm-hmm. I need to rest. And so how helpful is it gonna be for our church if I collapse and crush, my marriage falls apart, my relationship with my kids are terrible. Um, and so here's the reality, church. When, when I'm gone, the church attendance drops, church giving drops, like it, it, it affects our church negatively. And which is sad because I think Claude and Tim were fantastic. Now, mm-hmm. some of you love them and you were great. And man, that encourages me. It doesn't it doesn't hurt my feelings when you say they were great. It actually rests my soul mm-hmm. because I, I I want you guys, and, and I, I work very hard to have the people that speak to us be really, really good. And we try to find people that I believe are gifted and anointed of God to communicate. And I believe that Claude and Tim are gifted in that way. So we, 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 we all face guilt, right? Uh, either we have high one in us or we, we are related to someone that has high one. So that should is constantly taking over mm-hmm. and it's just stressful. It's just stressful and we don't know how to stop. We don't know how to rest. And and I mean, there are people that claim to love the Lord their God with all their soul and they've never Sabbathed once in their life. Mm-hmm. So, and you're gonna be a better husband. You're gonna be a better Christian. You're gonna be a better father. You're gonna be a better worker. You're, you're gonna make more money. All the statistics say people who are well-rested do better. Mm-hmm. And that's just the reality. And so, we, we need to trust God in this process. God knows what's best. So I suck at it. Most of you probably suck mm-hmm. at it. That's just the reality. We have to stop. We have to rest. Um, my Sabbath day is Fridays. I try to guard that day, but you know I, I, I sin at it just like everybody else does. And I, I typically sin with, with good stuff. You know, uh, Somebody's got cancer and they need to be visited, right? So mm-hmm. what day is gonna be open? Mm-hmm. Fridays is gonna be open. And so I struggle with that. Um, but it's it's a tough call because, you know, if you're dying of cancer, and that's the only day that I can come visit you, you know, I, I need to do that. And Jesus did miracles on the Sabbath, right? So it's mm-hmm. so so it's, I think from time to time it's okay to do that. But if you if you keep not having a, a complete day of rest, you're going to get in real trouble. Even if it's good stuff, mm-hmm. you got to really really watch that. And so um, I just want you guys to know that I'm a fellow struggler with this. We're all a struggler. I think, again, if you didn't feel like you're a sinner after the message, <laughs> you did not listen to me because we all do things and, um, you know, it, it, it's just lame. And so mm-hmm. I, I, I'll i just be honest with you. I was convicted in my own sermon about some things that I, I need to do. And one of them is just um, whenever I get a spare moment, I find myself playing this stupid game on my phone. And I, and I think, and, and I told my wife that and she was like, I hate that game. And I was like, yeah, it needs to go. <laughs> because it's sucking up my free time. Yeah. It's it's taking me away from when I just need those moments of quiet and rest. And, um, you know, I know a lot of you can't run without listening to music. Um, I started getting ringing in my left ear after uh, a diving accident in Hawaii last summer. And so uh, listening to headphones for a long period of time makes it miserable. Mm-hmm. And I've started running without music and I've discovered a whole world that I forgot existed birds and noises and and it's wonderful and people are like how can you run for two hours without and it's just that's how drunk we are Mm -hmm. on the pace of our culture is we can't handle not having something tell us what to think or feel or you know we we, and it's just sad and i all of a sudden i'm like wow this is great um the quietest time of my day is my two-hour run you know Mm -hmm. i'm like whoa you know this is fantastic unless i run into somebody but you know, it's great. It's great to not hear anything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
All right. So I don't know if I answered that question. Oh, I think it's pretty good. This next question actually has no name next to it. So I'm assuming Stephanie put it here for herself. (laughs) It says, how on earth do you truly rest with children? Yeah. We got a couple of questions like that, but I will. Yeah. So, right. So you you need to be firm and and your kids are learning from you. So it all starts. So again, read Jordan Peterson's book about how to put a two-year-old to sleep. Um, without killing them. It's, it's great. And so parents need to be forceful. You need to be clear. Kids are constantly testing boundaries. They want to know if you mean what you say, do you always mean what you say? Does it mean something different when mom says it versus when dad says it? Kids are very, very smart. And so they're always looking for that. And so again, one of the things you need to teach your kids is God said, we need to rest. You're going to rest. I'm going to rest. Um, and, and if, you know, what my parents did is we don't care what you do in your room for an hour as long as it's quiet. And my dad would say, and if you wake me up or disturb me, we got beat. I mean, that's just the reality. You, and that's not abuse, telling your kid to be alone in their room, read a book, color, sleep, play with Legos, do something that's quiet in your room, read. Um, you know, I'm constantly having to tell my son who's so into video, I'm like, read, read, read. Like, he, because reading is growing his mind. I think those video games are destroying his mind. I'm like, read, mm-hmm. grow your brain. Um, so you need to mandate it. And again, it's an act of worship. Mom needs rest. God commanded me to rest. And especially if you're a one, right? That should, the, the, the should from God should overcome your shoulds. So God said, I need to rest. God said, I need a break. I need to give myself permission to lay here, to lie here, to rest, to relax. And I'm going to do this. And... Um, so I think that's what you need to do. Her question was about with little kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just, real. I, I remember my wife, man, I came home from work one day and, and all three of my kids are standing in front of the bathroom crying, pounding on the door. And my wife just locked herself in the bathroom because she needed 10 minutes so she didn't kill our kids, which mm-hmm. I'm like, great. I don't want to be on the news with my wife who killed her kids because they are maddening. Mm-hmm. And so she just needed a break. So figure that out. I just had to have a conversation with one of our, our staff members. I said, your kid needs to be in childcare. Well, we don't believe, I said, yeah, I know you don't believe, your wife needs a break. Mm-hmm. She needs a break. We, we're gonna figure out how to pay for like two days a week. I'm not saying she's not a stay-at-home mom. I'm saying she needs a break. Otherwise she's gonna snap. I, I can feel it. Mm-hmm. And so then the guilt of the mom, well, I should be able to do, well, every person's gifted. Like some people in our church, they can have 12 kids. Mm-hmm. I would have murdered all of our children at 12. Like <laughs> three I was done. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm done. This is it. I, I, So just because someone else is gifted in a different way doesn't mean that you should be gifted in that way. Some people can handle, you know, 12 kids like nothing. For us, three kids was literally like we were at the threshold of hell for us for three kids. For some people, it's one. For some, it's zero. That's okay. So we don't all have the same gifts. We're not all the same person. Quit trying to be somebody else. And some of us need more rest. For some of us, one day a week's not enough. We need two days. We need we need to figure it out. Um, and especially, man, you know, our culture is so self-centered, right? I think a lot of moms are just not prepared for how other-focused parenting is. So everything is about you. Dating life is about you. Your whole childhood, your parents are building everything around you. And all of a sudden you have this infant that doesn't care what you think <laughs> or feel or want. And um, like I hear, you know, moms say this all the time. Oh, I just want to be loved. That's not what parenting is. Parenting is loving. It is mm-hmm. it is ninety nine percent one directional. Like what, you know what do you, what do you need? How can I help you? And it it, it doesn't end. Um, yeah, I remember like having a night like Ruth was only a couple weeks old and like she's up crying in the middle of the night. So I went to get up and I was like not about it. So I was a little thrashy and woke Tyler up too. 
And he said he saw me like sit on the edge of the bed and like I had to just let me die. Like I remember having this thought of like, oh, my time's done. Yeah. Like I got raised. I got to go to school. I got to do my thing. Like, oh, my time's done now. Like mm. I got to shove down whatever part of me that wants to sleep now and go take care of this little human without being mad at her for it. Right. Like I remember just sitting on the edge of the bed and like feeling like, oh, that just died. Right. That part of me just died. Yeah. So, you know, I, I got invited to the White House, uh, what was it three months ago? And we were told we were going to meet President Trump and we were going to be able to uh, say whatever we thought was the biggest problem in culture. Mm -hmm. And so I actually thought about like what that was and what I was going to say. Ultimately, I, I did not get to meet with him. Uh, but I think the number one problem is that we are raising a generation of kids who have no concept of what you just shared. At some point, it's not about me. At some point, I'm going to have to have enough capacity for myself and some leftover to give back. Mm -hmm. They have no concept of that. Like, you know, one day we, we want to get, get you through school. We want you to get a job. We want you to make enough money that you can pay taxes so that we can educate the next generation that's coming up behind you, whether or not you have kids or not, mm -hmm. whether or not you're married or not, whether you're gay or straight or not, whether you're an animal or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever you are, we need you to function in such a way that you produce enough for yourself and the people from behind you. There's no concept of that. And, um, right, everything's about follow your dreams and do whatever you want. And it's you, 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 you. And then all of a sudden adulthood smacks you in the face. And it's not about your dream job. It's about getting a job. It's not about falling in love. It's about staying in love. It's about, it's about working through life. And nobody, nobody in our culture has this concept of anything other than themselves. And that's why it's unraveling because having a baby is fun for like five minutes and then it's just really hard. <laughs> it's just really, like I remember driving home from the hospital with Madison and she was so cute, so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I was so in love. She had this little yellow duck outfit on in the back of our car and I'm driving like eight miles an hour. Mm -hmm. I'm, and then like two days later, I'm like, this is hell. <laughs> like she's screaming, she's mm -hmm. yellow. Uh, she had jaundice, Aww. we had to take her back and they had to cook her and put her under this heat <laughs> lamp and like she, you know, she got she was colicky and then she couldn't poop. And you're just like, oh my gosh, you know, because mm -hmm. I thought pooping was easy, but not when you're little and, Ooh. you know, maybe you don't agree with what mom ate or the breast milk or the formula or, mm -hmm. oh my gosh. And you're just like, <laughs> like, do you remember when we all used to sleep? So um, it, it, it's really, really crazy. And mm -hmm. so we need to prepare, like no one's prepared for how hard life is. Mm -hmm. Everyone's shocked by it. Mm -hmm. And that means we failed. We have failed in education because we, we, we've taught everyone this. Everything's supposed to be easy. Mm -hmm. And it's just not. It's just not easy. And um, that's life. Yeah. Well, and I feel like I've also learned, like in getting back on this topic of rest, I feel like even I've learned over these past couple months that sleep deprivation, I feel like can sneak up on you yeah. too, where you think you're fine. You think you're functioning great. And actually we found this article in Newsweek that talked about that. Like they you know, surveyed these people, had them not sleep for a while. And all of them said like, oh no, like I feel fine. Like I feel like I'm processing things normally. And they looked at the parts of their brain that were processing negative emotions and they were getting stuck in these negative loops. So all of a sudden these negative emotions, these negative things were taking over their brain in this like whole new way. And like, I mean, I've seen that happen. Like I'm telling you, like, I'm fine, I'm fine. Like yeah, I have yeah. enough sleep, I feel fine. And next thing I know, like some one tiny little thing goes wrong and I'm like handing the baby to him saying, I don't want to do this anymore. I quit, I'm gone. Yeah. Like I didn't actually quit, I stayed, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. like, realizing I feel like that lack of rest can really catch up on mm -hmm. you. So what are some ways maybe for people to like, as we're people are, I feel like a lot of questions we have are struggling with the concept of Sabbath. How do you shut off your brain and actually get that rest before maybe the moment where you realize I've lost it? I'm right. Yeah. So I think like all things, it's discipline. So, um, you know, here's the reason why most people don't work out. They go in and it's hard. And 
anything new is hard. Anything new. I don't care what it is. Um, it's hard. And so learning how to rest is hard. Um, I think in married life, it's hard. You know, my wife is much more social than me, which before ministry, I, I was probably more social than she was. But my wife would schedule us with people every night of the week. And that's happened. We're like, you know, we're with a couple on Friday night and Saturday night, and then we have family night on Sunday night, and I've preached four times. And and, and then and then it's, I, I can't see straight, and but I've allowed it to happen. Um, and so the assumption like with, you know, with Tammy and I is, you know, she will approach, well, we have nothing scheduled for the weekend as bad. Well, every weekend I have something major scheduled. I'm preaching four times. Mm-hmm. So we, we have to come together on that issue and and our lives are just so so different. Um, you know, if she's speaking on Cultivate during the week, that's enormously stressful for her. So we have to rearrange our life. And so that's part of it is as couples is is appreciating and understanding the rhythms of each other. And so that's 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 a big tension in, in a household between a mom and a dad is the, the, the wife or the mom, if she stay at home, is uh, critical of the husband because he doesn't help when uh, he comes home because she's not empathetic to what he's had to do at work all week. The husband is critical of the wife and all the things that didn't get done while he was at work because he's not empathetic to her life and what's happening at home. And so, um, you know, it's always interesting, you know, they, I don't, you've seen these movies, they do it over and over again where you switch places. Mm-hmm. They really should do one where the husband and the wife like switch minds on accident and, and like their <laughs> bodies and they have to do each other's job and come together as a couple because uh, roles are different. And it is, and it is, and my wife and I are, are very, very different in the ways that we handle things and do things. And so it's, it's just understanding the, the strengths and weakness of each other, coming together, having grace. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, my wife, when she's burned out is like done, like, like done, done, like scary done. Mm-hmm. Like it, it scares me, <laughs> you know, like you need to quit your job. We need to move to Idaho. Like mm-hmm. I hate everyone. I'm like, whoa. You know, mm-hmm. okay, that's bad. So how do how do we? And it's because she's not good at it. I'm not good at it. None of us are good at this principle of Sabbath because our culture doesn't stop. And so there's part of us that feels like we're missing out. See, that's the beauty in Israel is you're not missing out. There's no mm-hmm. one's doing anything. Mm-hmm. Everything's shut down. It's like it's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in the hotels there, everything you eat on Friday night was cooked before. Mm-hmm. So it's all it. There's no toast on Saturday mornings. Can't toast it. Nope, you can't toast it. It's all pre-made. It's, so it's boiled eggs. Mm-hmm. So you eat boiled eggs on, on on Saturdays. You you know it's salads. There's there's no coffee. I think they're oh. allowed. I think they're allowed to do, but it has to be instant. You have to make it. It's gross. It's Mm-mm. absolutely gross. So that part of it's terrible. But <laughs> um, yeah, the whole culture just shuts down, and it, it's just really really amazing. And and they do really well. And you think about the environment that Jewish people have to live in. It's very stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're surrounded by millions of people that hate them and, and believe that they shouldn't be there. And they're the smallest population. I mean, they're like an island in the middle of this sea of like, we hate you. So it's really, really rough for them, but they manage it. And, and part of the way that they do that as a culture is they stop. Mm-hmm. They cease all work and everyone stops. And that's great. Now, even the Jewish culture, those becoming more and more secular, they're moving away from even their own faith, their mm-hmm. own, own idea of what it means to be a Jew. Mm -hmm. And so, right, they're getting more and more busy and things are are pretty soon they're going to be like Americans and and they're going to be beat. And so uh, I think the lie that we we function at is I'm going to go on vacation and then I'm going to catch up. And that Mm -hmm. just doesn't work. Six days you shall work. So there needs to be a period of rest every seventh day. Otherwise, you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. You're in trouble. And so, um, you know, you can work really, really hard 
uh, I was talking to um, one of my family members and he just got a job as a pharmacist and they work seven days in a row, 12 hours a day. Uh And I was like, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. So it's seven days on, seven days off. And I just thought, can you imagine? I want my pharmacist to be well-rested. Right? (laughs) Right? Oh, you wanted Advil? I gave you chemotherapy drugs. It just, it blew my mind, man. I mean, that's a job where you can't get it wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's what he does, 12, 12 to 12. Um, that's what he works seven days a week. So it's just brutal. So think about it. He's getting at home, 1.30, 2 a.m. So then you're going to sleep. You're not waking up till, t- I don't know, 10, mm-hmm. 9. Oh. Then you just go back to work. Yeah. yeah. So so anyways, and, and again, some of us have to do jobs that are really, really tough and really, really brutal, but you need to move the family life around the job life so that so that it works. I mean, you, you got to eat. I mean, that's just the reality. Mm-hmm. But so it's here's the problem is we're living in a culture that doesn't honor the Sabbath. So there's a cultural sin that we live in every day and it affects us. So other people's sin affects you, it impacts you. And so that's the problem is, is how do we live as aliens and foreigners in this land? And it's it's very, very difficult um, to do, uh, but Jews have done it for thousands of years. That's why they always got hated in every culture because they didn't assimilate, they were different. That's why every, like, oh my God, these guys aren't like us. They don't assimilate, they don't become like us. They're, they're unique. Um, people notice that and, uh, And they've held to that. So as Christians, we haven't done as good of a job because we're under grace and not under the law. But what's happened is this whole need for Sabbath, we've forgotten and and we're just fried. Hmm. So, um, wow, we're we're at like an hour and I had three questions. (laughs) We're we're, we're getting through it. Okay, so this is a good one. I mean, I can totally connect with this. Alejandra says, right now, financially, my family is struggling. So I take on extra shifts or overtime when it's offered. Sometimes there are no days off, especially if it's mandatory days. My work is not flexible with scheduling at all, unfortunately. So how can I observe the Sabbath with the demanding work? Yeah, so, I mean you got to find new work. I mean, that's what you got. You, you've got, you've got to look for a new job. And so that may take some while, while that may take some training, uh, go, go and get some skills. Uh, like right now is a great time to go and change a career. I mean, people are hiring. Uh, there's a ton of jobs. There's more jobs available than it, than have been available in 30 years in our, in our, in our culture. So th- now's a great time to try something different, something new. Um, so, so that's what I would say. The next thing I would say is, uh, you know, take our financial peace uh, courses here at Sandals Church, make time for that. Mm-hmm. We can all tighten our belts. We can all learn to spend less. And so uh, most Christians think they need to make more when what they need to do is spend less. And so you need to have a smaller house, a smaller yard. There's nothing wrong with living in an apartment or a condo. Um, you do whatever you have to do to spend time with your kids. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, that's the great things about parks, right? You don't have to pay to water them and you don't have to pay to mow them. <laughs> so... So, you know, get a house that's near, near something like that where you can go spend time with your family. And, and now everybody thinks they need to have a park in their backyard and I have that and I hate it. So, um, yeah, it's just so funny what you think, what, you, you, what your idea of like a dream house is and then you get it and you're like, oh my gosh, this is miserable. <laughs> so so that, that's what I would say is, it, so one of the points that I, I don't think we got any questions on was, and I, this is funny to me, is, is the questions I would hope is, is how do I invite people to look at my luggage? And, that, and that's the thing is most of you are flabbergasted because the only eyes you have on your life are your own. Mm-hmm. So what you need to do is invite somebody else to look at your life because there's all some things that we can all do. Um, you know, if we, if we brought in a counselor who spent a week with Tammy and I, I'm sure they could carve out a whole lot more time. Mm-hmm. If we just said carte blanche, you know, hurt our feelings, go for it. I'm pretty sure. 
Um, just like if I brought in a financial planner that looked at our finances, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that they could find some things that they, you know, that they could cut out. So invite somebody else to look at your life objectively and say, hey, I think you can shave some time here. I think you can do this. I think you can do that. It is possible. So one of the lies that we're living under is I can't change my life. And and you can. Um, so you got to figure out how to break free from Pharaoh. And if if this is your work, you know, that's what you need to do. There are periods of time though where family's got to struggle. So so I get that, but it needs mm-hmm. to be a period of time and it can't be forever. So um, sometimes you got to put put in a little extra hours at work so that you can get the promotion or whatever, but you you have to quit working for Pharaoh. Otherwise you're under his whip mm-hmm. and, and you have to work for God and you have to trust God in that. And so, um, you know, that's yeah. what I would say. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Gregory sent in a really interesting question. And I have a feeling a lot of people, probably a lot of our debrief listeners, especially may resonate with this. This is many times I extend too much at work and have too little left for home. And on the weekends, I can completely fill days with chores and errands. My Sundays also look similar because my wife and I both serve at our Sandal Church campus all morning. We attend a service while we're there, but how can we serve the church in healthy ways and have a healthy day of rest? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, working for the Lord is not, if you don't work for the church. So if you work for the church, it's important that you have a Sabbath away from the church. But if you, if, you, if you have a regular job, serving the Lord is not considered work, right? So that's what Jesus gets into it with when he heals people on the Sabbath day. Um, it's okay to do good. Specifically, it's okay to serve the Lord. It's okay for a rabbi to walk the distance to serve at the temple uh, on the Sabbath day. Those things are acceptable. So that day is dedicated for the Lord. So here's what I would say needs to take place on Sundays for you is come, attend, serve, go home, take a nap, make love to each other, and sit and do nothing for the rest of the day. And so start off with start off with an hour. We're going to sit for an hour. We're going to rest for an hour. And then we're going to do two hours and build that rhythm into your family. Like I said, growing up as a kid, I thought it was torture uh, that my parents made us take a nap on Sundays. But my parents are still married. They've done really well financially. I think it's produced rhythm in both me and my brother's life. And, um, you know, um, it, it, it's just it's just very peaceful. It's a very, very peaceful thing. And it, it's a beautiful thing that uh, I don't, you know, my wife didn't grow up with. She didn't grow up with a Sabbath day. That was not something that she experienced in life and it wasn't encouraged. And um, I think her childhood was much more frazzled, mm-hmm. uh, even though maybe her parents made more money than my parents. So um, it was a struggle. It was hard, but my parents were really, really good at it. And so just so you know, as a kid, we went to church in the morning uh, we came home, we ate, um, usually it was potluck. Uh, my mom and dad would take a nap, do whatever they did in the, in the bedroom <laughs> for the day. And then we went back to church at night. Mm-hmm. So we did church in the morning and at night. And uh, my parents were very rested, very, very rested. And um, it was a great childhood. It was hard as a kid to understand why I couldn't go out and play and, and be with the other kids and do those things. And it wasn't all day, but it was for an hour. My parents mm-hmm. made me for one hour. Uh, and here's why that's important. Because if we're in a room, we have left chance of getting hurt, breaking something, you know. So because then that takes away from my parents' Sabbath. So we're going to go out and play. Well, my brother and I would fight, you know. And so we needed to be in separate rooms, <laughs> away from each other. You know, and Legos, man, that's a gift from God right there. Preach. You know, so, <laughs> you know, I want you to do this or do that. And um, it's so funny, you know, our son, from time to time, he'll get in trouble. And so that usually involves taking away the phone, video games and whatever. And it's amazing, man. Legos will come out. Uh, he'll start reading a book. He's so much more pleasant. It's just amazing when you take away uh, the norm- normative things and you say, okay, you're going to live a different life. He's just a better kid. Mm-hmm. It, it's just truly amazing. And so just know that there are blessings and advantages for that. So I would say keep working, uh, but 
just know, okay, we, we, we've, we've worshiped, we've served, have we rested? Mm-hmm. So that's the three components to the Sabbath day. I've worked for the Lord, I've worshiped with God's people, now have we rested? And so what that means on Saturdays, you guys gotta get your stuff done. Mm-hmm. So what that may mean is less sports, you know, less sports, less things. And so nowadays, you know, uh, that's why we didn't do soccer. And I think ASO's great. But when my kids were in soccer, it literally was 35 minutes to the soccer fields. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, we, we can't do that three days a week. We, we just cannot do that as a family. We live in Orange Crest. The, I mean, basically this, the Riverside soccer fields are in Colton. <laughs> I mean, I just was like, I told my wife, I was like, I love playing soccer as a kid. I can't do this. You know, because when I was a kid, we practiced, you know, at the elementary school, mm-hmm. you know, down the street. It was super easy and, and I, it just didn't work for our family. And so we had to make a choice and we all make choices. And the problem is, here's the lie that especially, you know, I think moms feel is you believe you can do it all. And mm-hmm. if you believe you can do it all, you're going to lose it all. That's what happens. You can't be, you know, your kid is, if your kid is going to excel with God, they're probably not going to excel in sports and or music and or something else. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's just, that's the reality. And so it, it becomes difficult because those things start pinching in on your time with God. And especially like nowadays to have your kid do sports and be competitive, you're traveling all the time. Mm-hmm. You're constantly, now, now your resources, your time, and all of those things are pulling uh, in that direction. And it's just, you know, Tammy and I made a choice. Like our kids aren't going to be Olympic athletes. That's not who our kids are. Every parent has to make their own decision. Um, my mom and dad, I was a very good soccer player. I was on scholarship, uh, you know, f- in college for soccer. My mom and dad said no to travel. You're not, you're not going to play travel soccer because it was on Sundays and mm-hmm. was going to be away from the church. And I, I hated the decision, but none of my friends that did that are still with God, mm-hmm. and I am. So I, I have to say that it, that it contributed to that. And I don't want to just beat up parents who are, you know, are, are heavily into sports. I'm just saying sports are great. God is better. That's what I'm saying. And you got to make mm-hmm. a choice. And, um, you know, John ends, I think it's first John, uh, the last verse is stay away from idols. And the NLT translates it this way. Stay away from anything that takes uh, God's place in your life. And mm-hmm. I love that verse. And it's it's always been there with me. And so it's just so easy to get caught up. And it's not just, here's the thing, guys. It's not just bad things that take away from God and take away from the Sabbath. It's good things. Mm-hmm. Sports are a good thing. Um, you know, uh, traveling is a good thing. A lot of these things are, are good things. And here's what I see in our culture. The more people are blessed with financial wealth, the more they travel, the more they're away from God, the less Sabbath they have. So the lie is, right, when we get more money, there'll be more time. Here's what I see over and over again. More money, less time. Hmm. That's what I see over and over and over again is as people are blessed monetarily, they have less and less time for God, and um, and they wonder why. And and just you know, right? We're all going to stand before God, and one of the things we're going to be judged for is the Sabbath. What did you do? Six days, the Lord, right? I mean, think about it. You're negotiating with God. He's like, I gave you six, but every week you took seven. Every week you took seven, and um, that's man. That's going to be one of the things you violated. You violated one of the core principles of how God's wired you. Six days you do whatever you need to do. One day you dedicate to the Lord. It's for worship, it's for serving him, and it's for rest. Did you do those three things? And all three of those things are a part of the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. So, um, and a lot of us, again, we believe that partial obedience is full obedience. Um, and my kids would always, well, I almost took out the trash. Well, I almost, no, no, no. God, ex- God does not expect partial obedience. He expects full obedience. Here's what I've given you. Here's what I've asked you to do. And what's crazy is we make excuses. It's like arguing with your doctor. Well, I almost finished my medication. 
who's this for? It's for you. And so, I mean, can you imagine you're arguing with the Lord? You know, here's why, here's why my marriage failed and I was cranky and I was upset and I wasn't. Every parent that I know of that's honest knows they need better time with their kids. They need better interaction with their kids. And the reality is most of it is negative. It's because we live a rushed life and we're not rested and we're not ready to manage our kids because we're tired. We're exhausted. We're tired when we go to bed. We're tired when we get up. We're tired all week long and we're all sinning in this and it impacts our marriage, it impacts our kids, it impacts our life with God. Elijah literally went from the most powerful prophet and within 24 hours of not resting, he wants to commit suicide and mm-hmm. he's ready to be done. I mean, th- th- read that passage. Mm-hmm. That's how fragile we are if we fail the principle of rest. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you, you just have to deal with it. And I watch ministers, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I... Literally, one of my 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 uh, I mean this in a in a healthy non sinful way. One of my uh, pastoral idols, Bill Hybels, that that guy has had an incredible impact on people. From what I see, his failure is a direct result of not sabbathing. He does not know how to rest. He did not listen to people. He became cranky, embittered, and here's the thing: when we become so, when we're not rested, we become spiritually wobbly. Spiritually wobbly. When we're spiritually wobbly, we are open to anything to anything. And, um, and I think like, if you guys ever hear me say, I got spiritual, I told my wife this, if I'm ever spiritually wobbly, I'm sexually dangerous. I told her that because man, if I'm not right with God, I'm, I'm not going to be right in my, in my, in my, with my sex drive. I'm just not going to be. And so, um, the primary indicator of my faithfulness to my wife is my faithfulness to God. As my faithfulness to God goes, my faithfulness to my wife goes. That's just the reality. And so, you know, Bill Hybels, unfortunately, um, you know, oh, just all kinds of terrible things have come out. And, and that church, right, has been a beacon of light and hope mm-hmm. and has changed the lives of thousands of people, mine included. And yet, just like the Apostle Paul says, I run in such a way that I may not be disqualified. Mm-hmm. What if Bill Hybels leads millions to heaven and missed out on it himself, Mm. right? What does Jesus say on the day of judgment? There will be many who said, Lord, Lord, I did all these things in your name. And he says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. That's you, you, you super sinner. (laughs) I never knew you. Mm. And man, I'm not saying Bill Hobbles is in hell. I'm just saying you can have the kind of ministerial impact that he had and miss heaven, Mm. Right? I mean, so we all need to step back and just understand that this Sabbath principle is serious. Mm-hmm. It's ser- it's not a minor commandment. It's one of the 10. <laughs> it's, it's a major issue. Uh, and we've got to stop and we don't want to stop. And here's the thing. Here's what all these questions are saying. I don't know how to stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the reason you don't know how to stop is because you live in a culture mm-hmm. that doesn't stop. And if we're all honest, we're way more American than we are Christian. That's the truth. Yeah. As we wrap up, what would you say are maybe just a great couple first steps for those people who are sitting there trying to figure out how to rest and don't know how to stop? What would you say are just a good first couple steps? Yeah, I already, I already wrote down muffin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eat a muffin. <laughs> Have yeah. a muffin. So the first thing is is admitting that you don't know how to do it, right? You can't mm-hmm. conquer a problem that you won't admit to. So I would say, okay, I, I have a real problem. And then you need to surround yourself with people that will hold you accountable. So you're going to say surround yourself with muffins? No. Surround yourself with people that, that hold you accountable uh, one of the big problems uh, in our culture is a lack of physical, physical exertion. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are stressed out all day. 
So they're emotionally and spiritually drained, but they've not physically drained themselves. And so that's one of the things when I started to really crash and burn out in my 30s, um, and thank God I didn't have an affair or did anything stupid, but I was out of my mind uh, with the pressure of Sandals Church and all of the stress at work. And one of the things I completely obliterated in my life was physical exercise. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the major reasons we can't sleep at night because our, our, our we have all this adrenaline that's built up from commuting at work, from um, uh, just the interactions, right? So, so here's how our bodies were made. So you have this confrontation at work where your body's gearing up to fight, mm-hmm. but you can't do that because you go to jail or you'll get <laughs> fired. So, so your body's ramping up all this energy mm-hmm. to, to protect itself physically. And then you deny that release, which is good, mm-hmm. but that adrenaline has to go somewhere and it's just sitting there. And the only way that it's going to come out is through physical exertion because that's why you had the surge in energy. Mm-hmm. So like when you're driving in your car and you lose your ma- mind and you throw your hands up in the air, your body thinks, oh, we're fighting a bear. But you're not fighting a bear. You're just mad in a car and you're going to do nothing with it. And now you're going to sit back in your car and drive, continue to drink your your drugs, your, you know, whatever, and all day long. And now you come home at night and you can't sleep because all that's been stored up. And so mm-hmm. um, like a lot of pastors think I'm crazy, but when I'm done on Sundays, I typically go to the gym. It's the first thing that I do because I have to release all of that pent up energy mm-hmm. that's been ramped up for the last four hours. Otherwise, I can't sleep on Sunday nights. Mm-hmm. So then when I can't sleep on Sunday nights, then I'm off on Monday. It affects my Tuesday, my Thursday, right? It, it just, it literally just, and then I'm trying to play catch up and I just don't do that well. Uh, and I have to be at my best. You know, I, I have to know those things. So like when I went to Israel this year, I left the day before everybody mm-hmm. because I'm the leader. I need to be rested and ready for the people who are going to go to Israel. And I, and I learned that. I can't hit the ground with them and be in charge. I just can't do that, Right. Because everybody's out of their minds. Everybody, so we had another guy this year loses his, his uh, passport in the airport. It's the second trip in a row. And I tell everybody, you're going to be tired. You're going to be exhausted, right? You can't think. You're gonna, and everybody looks at me like I'm just dumb. It, it's the second trip in a row. Mm-hmm. You, you literally can't function because you haven't slept well. You're super tired. You know, we've had people drop their iPads in, in the toilet, in the, in, the, uh, in the airport, their iPhone in the toilet. You're just, you're wiped mm-hmm. because you haven't slept for one night. <laughs> Like you missed one, you're exa- you, you've lost one day of sleep. And uh, um, some of us, man, it, it becomes chronic. And again, rest is a gift from God and we need to turn to God and trust him. And, and look at that verse that we wrote. There's another verse in the scriptures and Stephanie, you can add it to the notes, but it mm-hmm. says that God gives his beloved sleep. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it's a gift. And so we need to say, okay, God, I want that gift of rest. And God says, okay, you want the gift of rest then you're gonna have to honor me with rest honor me with the Sabbath. And so get serious about it. Sit down and ask yourselves, what does this mean as a family? What, is, what does this mean for us? Um, like one of the things, and, and this is going to kill sports fans, I had to cut out for about 10 years with sports mm-hmm. because on Sundays I loved football, but it was not restful. It actually ticked me off. <laughs> and my wife confronted me because I was not a good husband. Mm. I was not loving. And I was upset for, the, for a whole week because of, of this team that doesn't even know I exist, lost. And she and she had to confront she had to confront me. And that's what's so funny is I was a diehard, like diehard 49ers fan. Mm. My kids probably couldn't even tell you what my favorite football team is now. Mm. Because I had to I had to take a rest from that because it was unhealthy. It was unhealthy. And that's the thing is some of the things that we call hobbies are actually hell in our life. Mm-hmm. And we think, oh, I just got to have this beer, but it's wrecking your life. Oh, I just got to have this drink. It's wrecking your life. Oh, I just got to have this joint. I just got to watch this game. I just got to, and all of these things are just 
there are idols in our lives that are taking us away from God. And, um, you know, when you look at the great people in the Bible, man, they're, they're, they're very, very faithful. David, or excuse me, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, man, they are faithful. They didn't offer partial obedience to God. They offered full obedience. And so if you want God fully with you in the lion's den, then you need to be fully with God on the Sabbath. And so that that's just read that story because we we all want the blessings like oh man I want God to use me like John the Baptist well are you faithful like John the Baptist I want God to use me like Paul well are you faithful like Paul I want God to use me like Jesus are you faithful like Jesus mm-hmm. so so we, we want the blessings of obedience without the actual practice of obedience and that's the problem is start or orientating your life around God that's what the Sabbath is it's orientating your whole life around God. And most of us, our whole lives are around our career. It's around our children. It's around our hobbies. It's around something else. And um, if you're a Christian, that's why you need to go back to the command. Uh, God says this, remember, I delivered you from Pharaoh with my right hand. What's he saying? It was no easy task to deliver you from the most powerful man on earth, but I did it. Now quit acting like you're slaves mm-hmm. and act like your sons and daughters and, and rest with me. And so that's what a lot of people don't realize is, um, you know, we get all caught up in, did God create, you know, the heavens and the earth in six days? And we fail to realize why Moses has placed that in. What, what he's saying is, is we, we are becoming like God when we rest like God. Mm. Mm. That's the point. That's the point. It's not, it's not whether or not it's six literal days or not. It's saying we are not like other nations. We are not like other people. We are being transformed into the image of God. And what did God do? God worked for six days and then he rested. And because we are followers of God, we work for six days and then we rest. And um, I mean, a lot of Christians don't even think about this, but when is when do we believe Christ was crucified? On Friday. Friday. Right before the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Right before the Sabbath. And his words are, it is finished. Mm-hmm. He rested from his work. He died and he rested, right? And when does he raise? On the first day of the week, the new week of a new creation. It's it's so profound what God is trying to teach us, even through Easter weekend. Mm. There's a new work that has begun. God is reclaiming his creation, but it does not mean that we work without rest, right? Mm. I mean, what if you read Hebrews, the book of Hebrews says there is still a rest for the saints. There's still a Sabbath rest that we have not experienced yet. And that rest is ultimately when Christ returns, there's a new heaven and there's a new earth. And, and we're going to experience the rest of being in the presence of God. And um, so we, we long for that and, and we wait for that. So just know we're all sinners. And I know some of you, you know, your, your kids are in sports, your, your kids are in everything, and you're going to be really, really frustrated at me. Just know, I don't tell you what you want to hear. I tell you what you need to hear. And um, my wife and I made a decision. We're not going to raise great uh, geniuses. We're not going to raise great athletes. We want to raise great Christians that have great character and follow and trust God. And that was a difficult decision. Mm. Um, but it's one my parents made. And it's one that I think that, that we all need to make. And it's hard because we don't live in Jerusalem. We live in Babylon, right? And, mm. and it's a very, very different place. And so we have to constantly ask ourselves, what does it mean to live in a country that is not centered on these principles of God? It, it's just not. Um, you know, that's CBU is transitioning to D1. What that means is they're going to play on Sundays. Mm. And so, you know, it, it, man, I, I love my school, but that's one of the things why BYU 
is not a part of these major conferences because they refuse to play on Sundays. Hmm. And so here's the Mormons. They, they have, right. That's, and they, they're, they're a major force in athletics, but they're like, we're not playing. We're not playing because for them, it's the Lord's day. And I don't agree with Mormons theologically, but I agree with him on that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just sad. You know, oftentimes we're willing to compromise things to accomplish the goals that we've set before us. And, um, and even a great school like Cal Baptist, right? That's, that's, that's what's happened. Now, now our athletes, instead of being in worship and resting on the Lord's day, they're going to be traveling, competing, like all of these things are going to happen. And there, there's a, there's a cost for that. Mm-hmm. There just is. And, um, Sure, El Air, El Al, Lee, or yeah, El Al. That's mm-hmm. what, El Al Airlines. There we go. I had to get my Hebrew right. Um, yeah, they probably lose business a lot because they don't fly one day a week, but they, they, they've made that principle. Same thing with Chick fil A, right? Mm-hmm. We're not going to be, I mean, think about the literally the millions, billions maybe that they lose in revenue. I don't want to think about it. It's very painful to me when I find them not open on a Sunday, yeah. mm-hmm. right? But <laughs> they do it. I know. And they're the fastest growing food chain in America. Could be faster, yeah. guys. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So, so right. But you, so Truett Kathy has said, we, we, th- that day is for the Lord. It's for the rest of my employees. Mm-hmm. So they're going to rest. And they're, they're and if they want to worship, they're going to worship. Mm-hmm. Boom. And man. They're doing good. Man, if you want Chick-fil-A, you got six days to enjoy it. On the seventh day. On the seventh day. You better have bought some the night before. Not even Jesus Christ himself. That's what I do. We bite the night before. You guys, speaking of seven days, we will be back at you in seven more days. Hope you have a great time of rest this particular week. Also know this. You know what? Eight days a week. All together now. We love you. No? I don't know. That's a Beatles song. Yeah. Oh. Eight days a week. Eight days a week. Because it's even more than just. Care. My, yeah, parents exactly. weren't, my parents weren't in the be- uh, into the Beatles. So. Oh, no. Yeah. You missed out. Yeah. They were El- big Elton John fans. I got to be honest, when I said, let's all sing together, I didn't think you were going to jump in with me, Steph. The look on your face said, no. Well, that's what the look on my face says, but deep inside, there are feelings and appreciation. Just everybody think about this. (laughs) We're the culture that invented the phrase 110%. Mm -hmm. Mm. We're singing songs about eight days a week. Yeah, I mean, right? (laughs) Actually, they were British, but... That's impossible. You can give 100%. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's all you got. So you have to decide who gets your 100%. And God says, six days a week, you give it to work. One day you give that hundred percent to me, mm-hmm. and um, and I listen to me. I believe ten years from now, if you just start doing this, you'll all be blessed. Mm-hmm. You will be blessed, and you will live a better life. Um, again, you know, one of my friends, man, he's super wealthy, and you know, could could buy me out ten times over. You know, he listened to the message, and he was super convicted, and he just said, he said, I need to float. Mm-hmm. He said, I need to float, and. Man, that's the thing is, um, the statistics show the more money you make, the less rest you have. Isn't that crazy? It's the exact oh, yeah. opposite of what we all believe. Mm-hmm. If I have money, I'll, I'll be rested. And, you know, that's just not, it's just not the truth. Mm-hmm. We're, we're more worried. We're more stressed. Um, um, that, that's just, you know, and, and think about the principle of, of the Sabbath in the Old Testament. You gathered manna enough for Friday and for Saturday. And if you gathered any more than what you needed, it was rotten. Mm-hmm. What is God trying to teach us? When we go for more than what we need, life is rotten. Mm. And, and and a lot of us, you know, that's why we need to, we need to remember God's word because God's going to provide. And, and that's the thing is you wouldn't think that if you just work six days that you could compete with McDonald's, but he has, mm-hmm. you wouldn't think that you would make enough money, 
but you can. You wouldn't think there would be enough time in the week to get things done, but there is. Like a lot of people don't, so, so the same group out here that can't take a Sabbath, you're the same group that doesn't believe that you, that you can live off 90% of your income. Mm-hmm. I've done it my whole adult life. Yeah. And I have more money than many of our listeners. My whole adult life, I've given a minimum of 10% to the Lord, a minimum, my whole life. You know, um, I've, I've been blessed. Now, am I as rich as everybody? No, but I'm not called to be rich. I'm called to be right, mm. right with God. And so again, you, you have to ask yourself that question. Who do I live for? Right? So Joshua, choose this day whom you will serve. So if you guys go back and, and, and you look at um, the showdown between Elijah and the people of God, he says the same thing that Joshua says. How long will you vacillate between two peoples? Hmm. Choose this day whom you will serve. Do you know what the people say? Nothing. Hmm. You know what they're doing? They're, well, we want to see who wins. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, if, if Ahab wins, we're with him. Well, but if God wins, we're with you. But they wait. And so... Um, Man, a lot of us are going to wait until Judgment Day where we see who wins, but it's too late. Mm-hmm. As for me and my house, we, we will nap. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, serve the Lord. Uh, we're going to nap. Right. But again, man, what, what if you took God's commands seriously? I think most of us would be way more rested. And, and just look at the amount of caffeine that we're taking, the amount of drugs that we're taking just to survive mm-hmm. because we won't honor one commandment, just one. So that's why I'm super excited. 10 Reasons Everybody Needs God, which I hope will turn into a book. It's going to be a fantastic series. Let's do it. All right. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. And again, soccer moms, don't hate me. <laughs> all right. You guys go to debrief.show slash 115 for those show notes. Check us out on socials. Do all that stuff. We are going to go find some muffins. See you next week. <laughs> Bye, guys. Okay.